one two. One two one two. Welcome to the One Night Your Podcast. Is my volume good? Is my volume don't seem. One two one two. Okay. Am I a little louder? I'm a little louder, y'all? Okay. One two one two. Welcome. You, you muted right now. One two one two. Welcome to the One Night Your Podcast. Okay. Share, share, share. Share, share, share. Check in and let us know where you're from. One night and one people. What borough? What development? What state? What country? <laughs> Stand the man, you here? You in the building? One, two, I'm in the house. I'm in the house. Mike, you here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the One Night Your Podcast. We appreciate our viewership. Okay, we're going to go through our normal. We're going to go with the co-hosts. We're going to talk about our week, what we've done, and then we dedicate the rest of the show to our guests. How about that? That's how we do, right? Right, yeah. team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So once again, my week was busy and blessed. You know, I'm, I'm grateful to just, you know, be a resource to my community and beyond. Uh, assistant residents, seniors, and, you know, people with their issues um, in public housing and beyond, you know, um, there's a lot of things going on, and um, we fed the community on Saturday, the third Saturday of every month, the Home Sizes Coalition, we actually um, feed the community with a, a couple of faith-based partners, and um, it was a lady that came from 80-something street, she heard about the community fridge that um, Holmes Towers has, and um, she was having some issues with food insecurity. And we were able to give her food. And I took her daughter number and was able to give her some resources and places because she didn't even know all the other places that she can go to get something to eat. So that was just a highlight of um, yesterday, you know, just getting some things done um, and, and being in the right place, right time. Um, we're working on, uh, on the 22nd, the Holmes Isis Coalition Saturday at the Isaac Center. We're hosting an Entrepreneurship Empowerment Expo. So um, it's from 12 to 4 p.m. Everybody's welcome to stop by. The flyer is circulating on all our social media platforms as well as my personal ones. So uh, please come out. It's going to be a good time. And you're welcome to come out, I guess, and hopefully stand. I'll stand be out there. there. I'll be out there. Well, I'll be right there. Give us some one night you'll have a table. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, I'll probably backtrack on something else, but other than that, um, I'm going to drop it to you, Money Mike. Smooth Money Mike. Lord, Lord, Lord. <laughs> you know, like I said, my week was smooth. My week has been smooth. Um, to be honest, I was telling, I guess, as well, before that I was doing some self-tape auditions. Mm-hmm. 
I did um one full commercial that's I don't know. It's not like I got it, so I don't, don't be well, I did congratulate yet. you now. What's going on? I don't, I don't excited yet. I mean okay. just a self for tape audition, you know. Okay. I gotta get used to you know being I'm gonna be one of the greatest actors. I'm sure. I'm sure. And you come here and you shy. I mean, I don't understand this. This guy acts. I gotta interrupt you. You act like, come on on the show and give us, give us you. Come on, something. Come on. That's rock. He's smooth. I know. You smooth. But um, yeah, and also trying to figure out how we gonna do this Halloween event. I spoke to Dick on earlier, but he's gonna give me a call. All right. One day. What right. day is it? What day is it? Um, Saturday, right? Well, Halloween. So we got a lot of work to do. Don't call it a weekend, but we gonna. Y'all doing it on the weekend. Right? Yeah, we gonna see yeah. what we have on. Yeah, of course. Right. Is so, this upcoming weekend coming up? The weekend coming up? No, not this. Oh, the first, so you got a little bit of time then. Okay. All right. The 29th. Okay. Yeah, somewhere around that time. All right. So let's 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 do it. I'm with it. But yeah, otherwise than that, like I always say, my week been so. I'll just pass it over to stand the man. Okay, your mic going in and out. I know. Uh, all right. Yeah, um, and I guess the reason why I'm questioning with the whole Ravenswood situation um, and wanting to do an event there is because I'm continuing to have a lot of issues with Ravenswood. Um, there's a client, a resident that I'm working with. I'm not going to say her name because she will come on the show. Um, but finally, um, she's going to be moved out supposedly tomorrow. Okay. You know, and this has been going on now. We're about into a month. You know, with lead confirmed in her apartment, mm. um, nobody knows what nobody's doing. Mm. We go down to the management office again, several calls this week, you know, just to find out what's happening. They don't know what's going on at all. You know, so it's important that we get back to Ravenswood, you know, because there's a lot of information that needs to be given to the residents, especially now. Because we're getting ready to enter into this whole opt-in situation with the, the Preservation Trust. And this is an opportunity now, you know, for us to really say what we want to say, you know, and prove that the residents don't want it, you know. And the way to do that is to go into these communities and let them know. And I know for myself, I know Sandra and Mike, you know, we, we speak to residents and we kind of know from my perspective, mm -hmm. the majority of residents that exactly. I speak to don't, don't want it. Want it. No. The ones that do know about it don't want it. When you, when you explain to them what it is, they don't want it. But I know Sandra, you sent me an email from nights, you know, so, so folks are being bombarded mm -hmm. with um, propaganda, you know, emails, they're getting phone calls. Yeah. You have all the elected literature. officials, you get literature yeah. and on the walls. You got all the elected officials coming out for it now. Mm -hmm. You also have a lot of news media, you know, like the Daily News is for it, the Post is for it. So there's all of this information pushing down the residents' throat right. for this. Right. But there's not enough opposition, which is where we come from. And we don't have the resources that they have. Like, I would say the opposition is there. I know this is your time. But the opposition is there. It's just the opposition isn't seen. Well, then I would say, so right. So we got to be seen now. Like, this is the time. If you don't, if you're watching the show, and if you live in NYCHA, and if you don't want the Preservation Trust, then this is your time at this particular moment to make your voice heard, to defeat it. Because if you don't make your voice heard, and they shove it down our throat, then it's going to be that. It's going to be too late. You know, so this is our time. So I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Harvey Epstein. He's an uh, assembly person. Okay. And uh, normally I critique, you know, um, elected officials, but he came out and said he's, he's opposed to it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's good to hear because right. a lot of folks in the assembly and the city council have sold us out. You know, and I'm particularly 
disappointing as some of them I've spoken to personally and was surprised at their vote, you know, that they went ahead and did that. So big shout out to him, you know, but this is why we have another gentleman on. So we're going to find out his position on it as he uh, steps into that role. And hopefully we have another ally to defeat this because we can't allow this to happen. But residents, we got to speak up. But it's always been, already been signed in. It's been signed, but then they have this, from my understanding, right. we have a chance, there's going to be an opportunity for residents to vote. Right. And mm-hmm. we got, this is a chance to make our voices heard. If we're not present and we don't say what we have to say and we allow the narrative to be what it is now, then it's going to be shoved down our throat and there'll be no more public housing. Yeah. And one of the issues um, I found out about it with Greg Russ had came to one of our meetings and he was basically saying it's going to take two years, literally. Like, you know, like, it's a discussion, okay, you want it, but it's going to take a year and change close to two. You know, it's not, it's not a quick fix. Right. So, once again, the residents are still going to be living with the inhumane conditions. Yep. So, being that this is not a quick fix anyway, why don't you just put the money up? Because in 2015, myself and others, we were advocating for $2 billion dollars to fix all of public housing. This was in 2015. So look where we are now. 40 plus billion needed right. to preserve the home, preserve the portfolio that's left. Right. Because a lot of people don't realize that every every conversion that from red pack is no longer NYCHA's responsibility. Right. right. So they should be gaining some capital, but you, you know what I'm saying with the less that they have to do, but we're still in the same thing. So yeah, we um, definitely have to make our voices heard and continue to advocate and um, push back against it. And, you know, I know my development, my resident council president wants it. And that's all I'm saying. She's telling people about it, but we have to give them the, the, the cons. Right. Because right? the pros, everybody wants their home fixed. You know what I'm saying? So when we hear that, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, okay, what's the aftermath of what, what, what's going to happen down the road, even with Red and Pat? But um, enough of that. Um, you finished? I do want to say, and it's insidious that they would spend any money advertising at all and doing any of that when they know that there are repairs to be needed. So that shows their poverty. I will push out this propaganda, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to spend money on your, on your apartment to fix your apartment. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's just insidious and it's just unacceptable. Yeah. So we're going to welcome our guest. So this is all, the rest of this is all you, um, Mr. Alex Boris. Can't say your last name? Exactly right, okay. Alex Boris. Okay, so um, I'm not I'm not a person. I'm not going to introduce him. He's going to introduce himself, but I'm just going to speak um, for myself. Um, I've gotten to meet him um, on some campaign trails with Congresswoman Calla Maloney, and just seeing him in the community. You know, I'm on the same community board eight with his mother. Correct. Okay. Um, and she's phenomenal. So, <laughs> so if she's phenomenal, I know you're phenomenal. But um, enough of that. Please introduce yourself to our viewership. Um, tell us who you are. Um, you know a little bit about yourself before we go into the full interview. Yeah, I'm I'm Alex Boris. I'm the Democratic nominee for New York State Assembly in the 73rd district. So that's Midtown East and part of the Upper East Side. Um, and I'm born and raised in that area. I spent my whole life uh, on the East Side of Manhattan. I uh, grew up on 82nd and East End and 90th and Lex, and I'm at 76 now, so six blocks from where I grew up. I, I tell people I didn't make it far. <laughs> uh, I went to all public school in and around the district, PS6, Wagner, and Hunter. Wagner, uh, yes. 
course, the lines are getting redrawn mm -hmm. again. Uh, so PSX is in the district. Wagner is across the street, and Hunter's across the street to the north. So my not-so-secret goal in redrawing the lines is just to get mm -hmm. all of my schools in and be able to say <laughs> I went entirely in the right. district. Okay. Um, but my career up until this point uh, has been in government technology. It's been in building systems to make government actually deliver on its promise. And I'm really excited to, you know, pending November 8th, uh, mm -hmm. if the voters choose me, go into the legislature from there and try to make government work better for all of us. Awesome, awesome. Give me some. Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome, give me some. So, I'll let you start. Okay, well, I always got the tough questions now. You know, um, I ran for office. I know it's Andrea did, and I know how difficult it is to do that. Um, I know for me, one of the biggest issues was raising funds, you know, so... My big question, did you take any money from any of the real estate developers, you know, who we are against in some ways in this fight? No, no, I, I didn't pursue any developer money. Um, and uh, uh, I raised almost entirely from friends and family. Okay, good. Uh, I will say there was, there was uh, two exceptions of that where it was uh, friends I went to school with and their parents were, were developers. So my rule was if I knew someone for a decade or more, I could talk to them. But right, right, that, right, right. No one pushing for anything trying to be before the legislature. Right, yeah. Okay, great, good. I'm glad to hear that. That's um, our first number one question. There you go. Okay, yeah. okay so... I, I don't I don't see you being beholden. So, <laughs> you know, as you know, people I know people have issues with that, but my whole thing is, you know, there are some that's still in office and still do it and they do a great job. So I'm not, you know, Stan Stan is real strict with it. But um doesn't mean, you know, you're a friend to the show. You're on the show now, we're gonna definitely wanna you know, we have a, I I feel we will have an ally in you, you know what I'm saying, for public housing and beyond. So and um you're welcome once you get elected and you know, do six months or a year or something, you're welcome to come back on, or, you know, and um, give us some updates or something like that. You know, we would love that. I, I would love that. And, and let me say one other thing on, on campaign finance. Uh -huh. uh, there's a matching fund kicking right. in at the state level starting right. next year. So this was the last year with the $4,700 limits. That's coming down to 3000 I think. Oh, that's great. That's good. Um, and matching, you know, I think it's the first $50, 12 to 1, then the next 100, oh. 9 to 1, the next 108 to 1. Um, so it's going to be a very different landscape running for office in the future, and I think we'll see more people-powered campaigns. Okay, so when forward. did that take effect? It wasn't like that when I ran. That was just a, a year or so ago. No, it starts with the next cycle, so uh, it's, it'll start in 2024. Yeah, wow. Well, that's good to know, because I mean, yeah. that was when I ran, and I was Andrea runs. That's always a question. It's, are you viable? Mm -hmm. How much money do you have? Before they even get into your views, right. they want to know about how much money you got, so you almost eliminated if you don't have the money from the start. So that's, I'm glad to hear that. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. So, But that's why people power campaigns are, you know, powerful, you know, and even small donations help, Right. you know, because um, you, you get a multitude of it. We, if you think about it, NYCHA can elect any, every Absolutely. city-wide position. Absolutely. Literally, you know, NYCHA residents. We're a city within a city. I've been saying that for Absolutely. a long time. Absolutely. And um, we're, we're totally neglected. And um, I'm going to speak about something probably on another show because I'm looking at my old neighborhood and how it's just not being taken care of. You know, I've been over there, so we're going to have to go over there to McKinley Houses. And um, I'm not going to call out any elected officials up there yet in the Bronx, but um, no, I'm coming for you because when I go over there and I see the conditions, it's just horrible. Mm -hmm. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, 
you won't have any nitrogen in your um, Correct. Dish With the current lines in the 73rd, it's one of, I don't want to say the only, there might be others, but it's the only one I know of that has right. no nitrogen in the district at all. Okay. Um, but, you know, just to the north is the 68th, which I think is the highest concentration mm. of nitrogen. Right. Um, so it's just the way the map was drawn, this particular right. district um, happens to be, you know, more well off and, mm. and uh, has no nitrogen anywhere in it. Right. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if uh, Assemblywoman Rebecca Seawright has any. I think she, I think she has one. one I think Robbins. Yes, yeah, that's, yeah. Which is part of us, but there we had said yeah. So she does have that one. Okay, she's she's great. So that that that's going to be a nice ally. And yeah, she's Working together, so I'm I'm happy for you. I, I know you're getting in, so I'm speaking in an existence. Absolutely. So I want to throw out, um, you know, a lot of residents in public housing. Um, or behind on their rent, you know, due to the pandemic. And NYCHA was telling residents to apply for ERAP. Um, and a lot of residents that did have issues, they went to for, to the welfare for a one-shot deal, and they said no, ERAP. That was the whole thing, ERAP. They wasn't even given, the city was not giving out any, to my knowledge, any one-shot deals. This is what I was told. So um, when ERAP came and went, you know, to my understanding, I don't know a NYCHA resident that got it, I've been hearing I nobody, either. you know, got it across the board, you know, so that's a problem. Um, and now they're um, doing the letters and they're about to take residents back to court. You know, people are getting phone calls, people are getting letters with their budget letter, mm. um, with their breakdown of their rent. So um, I want to know if you do, you know, if there's another wave of you ERAP coming um, and how could residents, you know, I know you're not, you're not in office yet, but. Is there another wave coming, and what are you hearing about ERAP, and uh, do you know if there's any other resources for the residents? Because New York is already in a horrible homeless crisis. You know, Mm -hmm. there's too many people unhoused, there's too many people in the streets, too many people in the shelters and so forth, or living with loved ones, you know, in overcrowded tenement-like conditions because... You know, they don't want to be in a shelter, right? Or they don't want to be in the street, so they'd rather be on the floor or on a couch mm-hmm. or double, tripled up in rooms, which is just so unhealthy. So, yeah, so anything that you might have heard about ERAP or, you know, that you could give us any information? Yeah, well, especially with the eviction moratorium going away, we right. need this help now more than ever. Um, we, I know the governor asked for another $2 billion from, from the Fed. I think it's estimated we need about 1.7 more for everything that's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the good news is two weeks ago, the Feds released another $100 million to New York State. The mm. bad news is that's $100 million out of $1.7 billion that right. we think is needed to still do this. And mm-hmm. The reason the, the feds are doing that is other states haven't used their allocation. That and so New York sense. is saying, hey, we have a crisis here, right. you know, bring that in. But we can't just be relying on the scraps that other states aren't using, given, you know, exactly what you laid out and the, the crisis levels we have here. Um, our shelters are at capacity at their mm-hmm. highest amount they've been. People don't feel safe in exactly. the ones that exist. Uh, so everyone sees people out on the street and they know that there's a problem with people being unhoused. But... To your point, there's the invisible problem of people staying with relatives, bunking up in these conditions that, um, you know, are, are far beyond what anyone should be living in. So exactly. we need this help to stop it from getting any worse, let alone everything we have to do to actually solve the problem that already exists and those that are already unhoused. 
Okay. So yeah. You're saying there's some money coming, but not nearly enough. I think it's a drop in the bucket compared to what we need. Yeah. Wow. And they're probably missing NYCHA once again. Yeah, we always, yeah. I think no NYCHA got, you say, nobody got the EVAP. Nobody. Not that I know either. Nobody. I can't say 100%, but But, about 99, 98%. I don't know anybody, so right Neither now do I, I. got to stay at, I don't know anybody in NYCHA that has it. And, and, and the funding problem should be the hard part, finding the money, right, mm-hmm. should be, but we all know the hard part is often actually applying and getting the benefits that right. people deserve that they even qualify for. And we were talking a little bit before, but what I did before I ran for office was work in government technology, and for the past year and a half before running, actually building systems to distribute aid, that uh-huh. coronavirus-based aid, uh, that states and, and localities were giving to help people pay rent, mm-hmm. to help them pay their electric bill, their water bill. Uh, and the problem was that they weren't reaching out to actually help people and let them know. We're so used to government failing mm-hmm. that people would assume the program wasn't going to work for them. Mm. Uh, and often it wouldn't. It'd be a 15-page printed-out form, uh, it, and the money would run out by the time you, you got everything <laughs> right, through. Right, right, right. Wow. And so we would, we would figure out who was eligible, we would text them. Mm-hmm. We would build a, a form online that was as easy to use as possible. All the information we already had would be pre-filled. Mm-hmm. And get people through the system in 15 minutes and be clear about when they're going to get benefits or not. Mm-hmm. You start running government that way, people start having faith that they right. actually are getting what they're entitled to. Wow. Well, give wow. them something. Yeah, give them something. That's, that's, that's innovative that's and different. Yeah. You're so going to be an asset in, um, in the assembly, definitely. Thank you. Well, I got the question. So now I gave a shout out Harvey Epstein. Um, what is your position on the preservation trust? Are you for it, against it? And what's, what's your message? Well, I'm glad it's opt in. I think that's the key part is and I'm, I'm hopeful. We have a $40 billion deficit for uh, repairs that need to be done, and we've been struggling to come up with a program that can actually do that. I think RAD was deficient in all kinds of ways. Uh, and I'm excited for ways that can bring more money into the system. Now, it has to be opt-in, and people have to have full information about it uh, when they're choosing that. And if it's all people talking on one side and not on the other, that's not a fair election, even if you open it up for that. I think we're desperate to get those repairs done and get money in. And so we need to preserve the rights of the people who are already in the system and who will be affected by it. Uh, and it's all hands on decks to find out a solution that actually gets those repairs done. Well, I'm going to push back a little please, bit. Please, yeah, please, please. Uh, because uh, in my opinion, uh, even though in my distrust and watching how dysfunctional even resident council elections have been, you know, so I've seen, you know, some of the most corrupt stuff dealing with that. So I'm concerned in this process with this opt-in that it's going to be legitimate. And I'm concerned, you know, when we don't have the resources for all the organizers like a Stan or a Sandra or and various organizations that are out here, we don't have the resources to send emails and robocalls and all this other stuff, you know, to these residents. So it's almost like going into a basketball game, but the deck is stacked against you, you know, because you don't have the resources that others have. And that's my concern. Now, if it was a legitimate, like, legitimate opportunity that everybody's on a level playing field, you know, then that's one thing, but it's just not. And then I guess the other concern I have for it is that, if, if people do opt in, not fully understanding what it is, and then we go to the situation where NYCHA defaults, you know, and doesn't pay back this debt that they're taking on, you know, from my understanding, there's no mechanism in place to do anything, you know, to stop 
anything. He's like, the governor can't come in and fix it. The mayor can't fix it. Congress can't fix it. It's just over. Now this entity, this private entity, will now have this portfolio. And I don't think there's anything in, in this whole preservation trust that stops that or, or puts a footstop to that. It's just nothing that I saw. So maybe you can, maybe there's some, I don't know, but I didn't see it. Yeah, no, you're, I think those are the two things that everyone should be worried about. Um, the, the trust is set up to be a public benefit corporation and be publicly held and, and have all of those same protections. But you're right, it's when defaults happen that, that uh, if it goes to court, what happens after that? And I'd love for there to be a backstop as part of this. This can't be another way to privatize uh, NYCHA. I think that's what no one wants uh, out of this. Um, and, and I entirely agree on you have to have elections that are fair, and there's all kinds of ways to, to change things behind the scenes if one side is doing robocalls and the, the other. Yeah, that, yeah. That's not a fair, uh, fair uh, election. And so, you know, I'd be, I'd be open to exploring ways to, like, ensure that that comes, that, that both sides are heard and that all that message gets shared and maybe there's equal access. You know, you have similar rules around unionization drives of what the union's allowed to do right. so that you don't have just the company talking to the workers, et cetera. Um, maybe there's something to explore there. I'd love to talk more. Yeah. Wow, I think yeah. If, if, I mean, again, I'm against it, but if there was ways. I mean, we're gonna have to have this fight no matter what. I mean, because it's here, you know. So we can't ignore it. It's here now. But as long as we have a way to fight back equally, you know, which I, I and I don't know how that's gonna be done. Are they gonna fund organizations so that we have access to um, literature to send out? Are they gonna I mean just how can you do that? And I guess in this short amount of time, because it's like a hundred day period they're talking about, you know. And, um, I just know for me, it's just difficult to get the word out, you know, and it's, it's without the resources. And it's like we're fighting against um, an entity that has much more than we have. And that's just my concern about it. Totally. No, I, th I think the model of how we think about union elections can be a, a, a not, not a perfect one, but, but one to learn from here, where obviously a company is in such an ad advantageous place. And so we limit kind of what a company can do with required mandatory meetings and what can be done there. And we give access to unions uh, to, to make certain calls. Now, in my opinion, not enough. I don't think we've shifted it in quite an equal way. And uh, certainly we haven't on, on this issue in particular. But uh, ultimately, giving people a choice and making sure that's a fair choice, I think, is something that everyone should get behind. Awesome. Yeah. Um, thinking about NYCHA. Uh, when I was campaigning, it was a lot of doors. I was able to go into buildings, just pull the door and it was open. So they were unlocked. And unlocked buildings, it means it's unsafe. Mm -hmm. um, I believe his name was Derek Waller from ABC News. Did an interview with me, um, I believe it was last year, about security cams. Because um, the former mayor was supposed to be, it's not, they're not in every public housing development. And there's also the artificial technology and the surveillance. So, you know, a lot of people don't want cameras, and I get that, but we also want to be safe. So, you know, having cameras and our developments and also making sure our doors are locked, um, that's a priority because we can't wait, you know. I mean, they're big on these e-bikes now because of fires. You know, this big old... A uh, letter comes out, you know, in a, I guess, some type of order that no resident can have these e-bikes in their home. But NYCHA has policies that they want to work on, but there's still things that are supposed to keep us safe. So they're not as, how can I say, really on it with the cameras. Even though 
the cameras and the um, locked doors, even though I know they get broke. I understand that. But even if they get broke, you have to keep fixing it. You have to keep locking and locking and Because we can't wait for the next murder, rape, or something like that to happen, you know, from a stranger, somebody just wandering in a building, which we hear this so often on the news. Um, and it can happen. So as an assembly member, um, I know you'll have access to funding. You'll have access to write bills. Um, co you know, co uh, what's that? Um, Co-author, co co mm -hmm. bills. I'm trying to get that all out. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything you could think of for NYCHA to see that all, like we have, our doors are locked where we at, Isaac and Holmes. We have cameras, you know. Um, and then in, in Isaac houses, there's cameras in every hallway on the floors rather than the exit. In Holmes Towers, it's like every two or three floors. So they didn't really get what we got, unfortunately. And we have the same property manager. But like I said, as an assembly member, you know, what would you be able to do to see the safety of, even though we're not your constituents, we are your constituents? Cause, Absolutely. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it, it's a system that obviously affects everyone in the city, and, and the state has such a huge role. So uh, you're right. I, the, the Having cameras, having working locks should be the basics. Um, right. And... Uh, we know there's a lot of red tape that gets in the way of installing them. We find that, and, and you know, some people say red tape and they mean actual security checks. Mm -hmm. I just mean delayed right. bureaucratic uh, right. Right. nonsense yeah. where you have money sitting in an account for years exactly. uh, that, that has been allocated mm -hmm. uh, to actually spend on the cameras. And, and I, I think it was, you're right to bring up the point of uh, they break and then you just replace them. That shouldn't be that hard. We see this in a lot of government systems. So uh, the governor just announced that there are going to be cameras in every uh, subway car. Mm. There's already cameras in every station. Right. But we only check whether those cameras work every six months. Mm. It's a camera. You should mm. know when it's not working the second it stops working. Right. Um, and requiring a manual audit every six months to see if it's working is means it's not actually there. Right. Um, so even just having a camera, having things that are locked can prevent the crimes from happening in the first place if people feel like, hey, that means you're actually going to get caught. Um, and uh, But there needs to be a credible knowing the camera is working. Having a broken camera that everyone knows is broken and is never going to be fixed, there's does, does no benefit. Yeah, it's unfortunate. So, And even some places have, and I don't know if it's anywhere actually, actually in the city, but they have things that look like they're working, the cameras, but they're really not because they don't want to pay for the security. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying that's the city doing it, but that has been known, you know. Um, okay, well, yeah, because we, um, you know we're in a state of emergency. We were declared by the former Governor Cuomo, and um, unfortunately we're still living in bad conditions, you know. As you know, I'm a NYCHA resident. Uh, what's your thought on the possible water crisis that's, you know, because um, I now and a lot of residents, we have another bill. Like, I won't even... I brush my teeth. That's it. That's the only reason I use the tap water. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, and I have to bathe in it, of course. But, you know, some people, you know, they don't even do that. They, they use a bottle of water. So we're spending more money now because we don't trust NYCHA. Right. That's money out of your pocket exactly. right, for, right. for a basic necessity. We're talking about water here, you know, and we like to talk Clean. about, we like to talk about yeah. New York City as the best water in the world, except, you, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, the testing can't just be Mayor Adams having a glass at the end and saying it's right. fixed. Um, um, uh, <laughs> you know, give them credit for showing up and drinking uh -huh. it, but that is not the policy right. that, no, you know. No. Um, uh, so we, yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's similar to what we were just talking about with the cameras is that people need to have confidence in the system working. And so you have to realize that when you take a hit to that confidence, when you have a report like this, that the water isn't safe, you need to compensate. You need to do a lot more to make that safe. So we need regular testing. We need that to be uh, uh, shared with all of the residents and not like on a delayed cadence where it's like, oh, maybe it'll come out. There, there's so much that government does where we do an audit and then we manually prepare a report and then people put it out. Mm. In the 21st century, you can just have a sensor that goes to a dashboard that anyone can log into. That's so key. And thank you for saying that because I shared last year I went to my management to find out about the water when they did the um, tanks, tanks inspections on the water. And I was not allowed to take notes. I was not allowed to take a picture of it. I was not allowed to get a copy of it. And it was just crazy. And yet they say trust it and drink it. Right. You know? so, <laughs> what message so, are they sending? If you, so yeah. what I had to do, and I'm not going to say what I did, but mm-hmm. I read it out loud to myself. Right. Y'all can figure that out. You know, but the point is, like, why? And like you said, it should be dashboard. We should, we should know what we're drinking has been tested because anything that's tested is only good from the date it was tested. Mm-hmm. It's clear, you know, from HIV to whatever. People go, oh, you know, yeah, okay, but what did you do right after that, right? Right. So, but at least that gives us some kind of, you know, assurance that, you know, they care and they're doing what's right. But to have it posted in the inside and, and with your manager and you have to actually ask to see it and then you, you can't take the information with you and you know it was some words in there that I wasn't familiar with you know and one of them was debris but it was a different it was a long word but I looked it up later and it was debris and it's mm-hmm. like okay I know what debris is but the point is and and they need to do that so um and could that that could be some kind of law right can y'all absolutely write some bills and laws to you know because that's what we need we need we need allies and and as elected officials to understand the systemic things that we've been going through and I'm, I'm going to be leaning on you. Yeah. And definitely, you know, uh, Rebecca Seawright, and I love her. And, you know, I know Eddie Gibbs. And I'm going to lean yeah, on y'all yeah. to, like, like, try to get some things done because it's really it's really hard living in public housing. You know, um, the way they speak to us, the way they treat us. You know, I, my bathroom conditions is the same for two years, you know, and I don't know what's going on. And, yes, I advocate for a whole lot of people, and I do advocate for myself, but... My whole thing is, I know it's documented because I was on the worst landlord list with the um, Jamani Williams uh, mm-hmm. public advocate two years in a row. So it went from whatever it was to even worse. But it broke my wall before. So who wants to go through all of that again to wait another year or two to have the same issue? Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. So definitely, and, we're gonna have an ally in you. Yeah, and and we, you know, imagine when when you think about sensors and reporting out. Like, imagine if we treated weather this way, mm-hmm. right? Like, we go, we scan the temperature, and then four days later, they say, "Ah, oh, it was sixty-eight degrees four days ago." Mm-hmm. And you're trying to plan your day and what to wear, right? right? No, you just have a thermometer. You know, at that minute, what it is, right? Yeah. And that's all of these things. It's not. It's not difficult technology. It's either you know fear of transparency. Um, or it's just how it's always been done. And you mentioned legislation. There's absolutely le- legislative ways to, to go about this. I'm also really excited about ways that we can pilot things. I think yes. too often yes. government thinks about, about, hey, we have to pass the whole program, mm-hmm. and that's going to be 
you know, $80 billion and we don't know if it's going to work. And the solution is start with a million, you know, or start with 5,000. You know, I've worked on so many government projects where I get paid literally $3,000 to to do, test it out. Mm -hmm. And the system eventually, if it worked, might be worth 10 million, 12 million, et cetera. But the point is people deserve to see it in action and see it small scale. And we'll learn what works and what doesn't from that. Um, And that there's more ability for individual legislators here and there to pilot things. I'm excited about being able to do that. Okay, man. Well, I know, I know we're getting ready to go into the, uh, the cold scene. I guess it's a add on to what you're saying. Um, I know, unfortunately, um, there's going to be a lot of phone calls with people that have no heat. There's going to be a lot of phone calls when the gas is cut off. And, um, and people have spent a tremendous amount of money just to survive these scenarios that sometimes go on for months. So I know Mike Janow has um, put a bill out there that, that was supposed to get some of the money back um, to residents. I don't know what happened to the bill. I think it may have died somewhere in committee or something. But is that, is that something that you're going to um, bring back to the table? Because we know the problem's going to happen. Because yeah. it happens every year. It's, and I'm sure it's going to happen again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know the result of, of Senator Gene Aris's bill. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll double check on that one. But if you're not getting the services that you're promised, absolutely, you should be getting that money back. Um, we, you know, and this goes to the trust in government. It, how can we have people saying, oh, we know this is going to be broken? And you're right. You mm-hmm. know it's going to be broken. Right. But that can't be the way that we run the city or any part of it. Mm-hmm. People need to say, oh, I expect it to work. And I'm right. surprised when it's broken. Right. right. Um, well, unfortunately, I mean, I know the way I, I, I hate this time of year because we know what's going to come, you know, and um, we've had scenarios where people can't cook for Thanksgiving. I mean, this the stories are heartbreaking yeah. as the holidays come around, because that's when the conditions really, mm-hmm. really get to you when you're trying to have family come over. You're trying to have, you know, enjoy your holidays yeah. and, um, and you having stuff like this and you're, you're cold and your gas don't work. So hopefully, yeah, so hopefully something could be done. And why why aren't we doing the maintenance and the testing, you know, over the summer when people don't need it and when it's cheaper, right? That's the time to be looking at it, not when you're putting the stress on the system and it's a week before Thanksgiving. We need you to write a bill on that. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. Right, 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 right. We need need that. We need that. Um, So this question is more for public and private housing because we don't always just rest on, you know, public housing. Um, you know, you, you have, how can I say it? So you pay your rent, but you don't get repairs, okay? I've said that in a press conference before, too. You pay your rent, and you don't get repairs. So that's in public and private housing. Renovations. Is there some type of, maybe, well, I'm putting it out there. Can you maybe craft the law, you know, because people do not have gas, do not have um, heat, you know, inoperable elevators and NYCHA for NYCHA and some places it's hard to get a renovation, but they're paying their full rent and they're not getting the service. Absolutely. So can there be some kind of, because I believe a law, some type of bill law put together on that, that would put their feet to the fire. You, you know what I'm saying? And make them more accountable. Right. Because then they'll know if they don't do it, then this can happen. Yeah. So is there yeah, if there's a requirement without enforcement, it's not really a requirement. Right. And so mm-hmm. we have required heat, we have required repairs, we have required accessibility. But if it's not enforced, then what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to talk more about ways to do that. I mean, okay. people need to know that they have to take care of their residents, and um, that the laws actually mean something. 
maybe we could work on it. You know, it'll be your bill. I'd love to. I'll be behind, you know, because uh, it's I, people that can, you know, it's, we the people can help stir it. So we'll talk definitely when you get an office about something like that, because that, that would help a lot of people, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that, that rent abatement, because that's so hard to get um, for Look at this housing calling. Why is housing calling me? Wow. <laughs> something, something. See, but see, this is this is <laughs> the propaganda. So they they, they literally it, calling you on your phone. Yeah. Well, it's the oh, also because the elevator. I reported the elevator okay. was out, but okay. still, it's like these robocalls. Because this is what it is. I should put it on the line, but no, it's a robocall. But they call them from the call center. But yeah, that'll be good to you know work on something like that because we need relief. People need relief. You know, like. Uh, several of us sued NYCHA on December 13th of 2019 out of Isaac and Holmes Towers. And the case just went, 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 went. And they never held NYCHA in contempt. There was, I can't tell you how many inspections on the elevator, how many inspections on the ground. You know, HUD was there, HPD was there. And stuff was coming to my home, you know, because I was one of the outreach people. So that the finders were coming to me as well as our attorneys. Um, for Isaacs, I was one of the, because when they called the case, it was Coleman versus, I love that though, <laughs> Coleman versus, you know, NYCHA. But with that said, you know, um, yeah, what what can we what can we do? What can we get done? Well, I think some laws should be passed, and I'm, you're in the position to do that. And also, on that note, even in terms of when you go down to the management office, I mean, the, this is pure frustration and pure lack of professionalism. So I want to ask you a question. I know a, 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 a management a manager in the office told me that they can't speak to me as an advocate. Now, I could be an advocate. I could be a lawyer. I could be a friend of the NYCHA resident. I could be whoever. Family. family. So is that appropriate that a, 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 a government, because they work for the government, right? They, they're employees of the city. To tell a resident something like that, well, they're in the usher them into a side room, you know, so to speak, so nobody can hear the conversation, which is a way to not be held accountable, you know, because all the resident wanted was, was somebody else to hear was being promised so we could follow up and see if it's going to be done. So is that legal for a management, a management office to tell somebody, no, you can't, you can't be in this conversation? Uh, I'm not a lawyer, and I am not familiar if that is, but that sounds highly unusual right. to me. I haven't heard of something like that. Um, yeah, I mean... There's privacy laws, but that's to protect the person right, if they want right, privacy, right? Right. Right. Uh, so that that sounds very weird to me. And is and what can be done on a state level? Because I know what's happening in Ravenswood. I know it's happening all over in various developments across the city. And I'm thinking from a, a legislative standpoint, this is one way we could hold NICE accountable. You know, to say you can't treat residents in this disrespectful manner. That should be against the law itself to be treated this way. I heard yeah. one resident tell the lady, lead is not an, an, an emergency. That's what they, when they pulled her to the side, that's what I overheard. And like, you tell her, somebody that has lead in her apartment, that lead's not, and she got a, a baby. How's that, how's that possible? It, it, I, I think you used the perfect word. I think disrespectful yeah. is, is the, the only word that comes to mind. I mean, lead is an emergency no matter what, especially when you have a young child. That's exactly when it's, it's the biggest emergency. That's awful to hear. Right. Yeah. It's unfortunate with lead poisoning. We always focus on the kids. Right. There's also issues with adults yeah. from headaches. If you, if you look it up, because you know, I got a little medical background. Right. If you look it up and really research it, you know, some people are going through some issues because they, as adults, 
Like the sure. kid might be inflicted, but they're inflicted as well, and they don't even know it. You know, um, so I always tell people if you if your kid has it, you need to get yourself tested because mm-hmm. there's something. And then nitro or either nitro or that pl- or that private, you know, housing, they're responsible for mm-hmm. it, you know, and those are lawsuits. But I want to segue a little bit. Um, why did you run for assembly? Yeah. Um, no, I appreciate that. This is, as I said at the start, this is where I grew up. And so the people in the district are my friends, my family, family of people I went to school with. Um, and when they think about Albany, well, they don't often, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're living their own lives. But, uh, but when they think about Albany, they think about dysfunction, okay. think about corruption, they think about inefficiency and... <laughs> We've touched upon it a little bit, but I've spent my career making government work better. Okay. Um, that's been my focus, is taking the promise that we hear and everything you hear up to and on bill signing and making sure that we go all the way through to delivering an actual result to people. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's, no one's fed when the bill is signed. No one's water is kept safe when the bill is signed. It's how you actually implement it and get there. And, you know, we've talked about what I did directly before, running, uh, where I was helping to distribute this aid. I've also just built systems to make government work better, to have VA hospitals, better staff, so they could take care of their veterans, to um, helping the CDC better track epidemics. Mm. Um, And so when I hear all my neighbors saying, oh, Albany, that that place never works, um, and you get an opportunity to take what I've been doing privately at cities and states throughout the country and bring it home to my district in New York, that's a pretty special opportunity. Is there a particular issue you want to work on? Yeah. Day one. There's a lot of issues. You know, a lot of people have asked since the primary, oh, what are you excited to work on? And I say I'm lucky in that. Uh, I actually want to do the things on my website. You know, a lot of people, they run for office, and their website is rainbows and butterflies and (laughs) and give everyone a birthday cake. And it's every single one of the things on my website is tied to a specific bill that exists or a bill that I want to write. Um, And so there's a lot of different things that I want to do. You know, the residents of the 73rd District talk a lot about feeling safe and what can be done there and the criminal justice system writ large. They talk a lot about housing. You know, it is the wealthiest district in New York State, and still people feel insecure in their housing. Um, and not affordable. Not affordable, right? Rent's going up, crazy amounts, not being able to find a place. You have more and more people watching their kids move away because their kids can't afford to live anywhere nearby. Um, you have cha- challenges to the environment. You have challenges to reproductive health that we need to do more to protect in New York. Um, but at the end of the day, I want a government that is actually working. Okay. And so regardless of the issue, I'm the one looking for the opportunity to make that system work a little bit better and make it actually deliver what we're promising. Uh, I always say I'm, I'm not out for any moral victories. Okay. Uh, moral victories don't, don't feed your family. I'm out there to actually deliver the results. And can you say your website? Uh, the website is alexboris.nyc, and Boris is B as in boy, O-R-E-S dot N-Y-C. And I got a question for you on the affordable housing issue. Yeah. Um, we are in a housing crisis, and um, I don't see it going away no time soon, unfortunately. You know, one of my things is um, I think the AMI and MIH um, system that they're using for affordable housing is skewed, yep. you know, where you have um, incomes coming in from neighborhoods that don't 
Do we not do dome life in Westchester? So I'm in Bed-Stuy, and you're building this multi-unit building, and maybe 20% is affordable. And you're it's saying like it's, 65 it's, 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 it's crazy. Yeah. So then nobody in the neighborhood can move in there at all. You yeah. know, then it's an influx of others into the neighborhood. And I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about income levels, you know, which prices people out. Yep. You know, so can there be, is there any legislation that could be written to address that? Definitely, definitely. We need to we need to have AMI levels that actually uh, allow people to live there. You get to sixty five percent AMA, you're talking about three thousand a month right. for one bedroom. It's crazy, right. um, and yet that's below median in, in right. Manhattan, right. which is itself a, a, a area median the, income people. Right, the average rent in New York is two thousand five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. That's the average rent. I mean, so well it, this summer, Manhattan for listed places. Got up to five thousand in one month. Wow! And it settled around four thousand. Settled mm. around four thousand. I mean, it's it's you can't have a city if if the only people that can afford to live there can afford to pay four thousand a month. Exactly. So then, why do you think it's been difficult? Because everybody, we all see it, right? Yeah. And, um, and I guess private developers benefit and profit, you know, from the system as it's currently um, set up. Yeah. You know, so why is it difficult? Do we do we not have enough elected officials with the will to push that? I mean, why, why has it been so difficult to change? And when it's so obvious, it ain't working. Yeah, I mean, do we have another hour to, to dive in? There, there's so many pieces of this. But it's, you know, it starts from... NYCHA was mostly built from 1945 to 1965, and then the state backed away from being involved in the market. Uh, so then we're relying on private developers to build, and we're not building enough. And so we have this incredibly limited housing stock that people continue to bid on, mm-hmm. and it makes it impossible to stay there. Uh, and then we tend to only build these like big luxury buildings uh, in places where we need housing at all income levels, right. but that becomes what's profitable. There's two developments uh, being proposed now just outside of my district where um, they're building, I want to say, 40, 50 stories. You talking about by um, Penn Station? Are you talking about that? Uh, no, on the east side of Rebecca okay. Seawrights. But okay. yeah, yeah, right. Penn, Penn Station's its That's own another thing. One. But, yep. but mm-hmm. the ones I'm bringing up, there's two of them where they're building 40, 50 stories, and it's fewer apartments than the buildings it's replacing. Wow. Right? That's crazy. Um, and so... Yeah, we need a lot more housing. And that's all luxury, oh. right? So oh, they, they're yeah. taking away oh, yeah. housing stock yeah. and then putting more housing stock into it that costs more than yeah, this. And then, and then not only that, you know, that's the hard stuff. Building, building is hard. Uh, we're not making best use of what already exists. So we have all these, less so Manhattan, but, but uh, in, in the other boroughs and even outside of New York City, we have these accessory dwelling units. People mm-hmm. have converted a garage into an apartment or a basement into an apartment. And right now it's a black market mm-hmm. and sometimes they're unsafe. And we have the ability to, with a little bit of funding, say, hey, make improvements to make it safe and let's legalize that apartment so it right. can be rented and be out there for more. Um, and you also have vacant apartments. You have these warehouse. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and you know people are doing that because they're holding out for more rent. Right. Um, or sometimes they say, "Hey, it's fallen into disrepair, and and I can't you know make enough on the rent to to repair it to pay for it." And right. we get into this weird place where politicians say either. Well, you should eat all of that cost. I don't care. Or on the flip side, well, you know, uh, put that all on the tenant when the solution is government should step up with some of those funds, you know, right? It's totally legitimate for an owner to say, hey, I can't afford to do this and I can't put it all on the tenant. And government should come in and say, okay, we'll give you a property tax discount or we'll help fund the repairs 
if you rent it out, if you bring that back to market, if you make it available for housing. Um, and that's way cheaper than building new ones itself. So there's so many ways we need to attack the problem. We need all of them. Can you imagine how that would impact the um, homeless crisis? Right. The homeless crisis. And even the vouchers. I mean, I yeah. speak to a yeah. lot of home people. Like people call and the vouchers don't pay enough. Yeah. And also... And haven't been taking applications for like a decade. Right. You know, it's crazy. And, yeah. and, and I have one person that's, that's, that's in the system now that I know. And um, $5,000 is what they're paying for the apartment. But then the voucher ends in two years. So then the, the landlords are like, okay, now you have to go. Or you could stay if you could pay for this $5,000, which that obviously can't, they can't do, which means you got to go back into the system possibly. And so what, what legislative, what can there, is there anything on the legislative level that could be done about that to raise the voucher levels yep. and to stop landlords from doing that? Yeah, well, it, both are on my platform of we need to increase the funding for the vouchers. We need to be increasing that's there. But also, you know, people aren't supposed to decline you because of your source of income. Right. You're not supposed to be declined because of the voucher. And, you know, in different programs, there's supposed to be limits of they can only turn down like, two people in a row, you can't turn down three. You have mm, to take one out of three people that, that come in. But we don't track it. Mm-hmm. That's what you because that's how people are stuck. Right. And so unless you have three people that applied that line up and say, hey, all three of us were denied, there's no enforcement of it. Um, and it goes back to your point of how you can have a requirement without enforcement. Right. You know, you need to have a little bit of a, if we wrote the law for saying it needs to operate this way, we need to put a little into making sure that, that that's actually followed. Yeah. So then that means the landlord denied this problem. I was, I was homeless. I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. And I know it was difficult to get out of the system because, A, the vouchers didn't pay enough, and, B, when you're homeless, there's a stigma. You know, the, the landlord don't want you. You don't come and tear my apartment up and all the rest of that. So they do deny, and it's, and it's pervasive. So you're saying that's against the law? And it just has to be enforced? There's details on different programs. I'm, I'm talking about one. I don't want to speak universally. Right. But, yeah, there, there's, there's uh, government-paid programs where it says, you know, you need to take a certain percentage. You can't just keep saying no based right. on this, and we're not really tracking that enforcement. Okay. That's good to know. And you're going to be in there fighting for this, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And I'll follow up afterwards. I'll send you the program. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I want to know. Please No, do. no, no, so we can share. Yeah, absolutely. People need to know that absolutely. they have these rights. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. So what's your um, stance on bail reform? How do you feel about it? Um, is there anything you want to help, you know, steer it in a, uh, hopefully a better direction, you know, because um, I, I was at a resident association meeting and um, somebody came to the office. It was Hilda Solomon's husband, uh, whatever his name is, and he works for the city. I don't know if he works for um, the te- something, in, something in the DA's office, something like that he works. And... You know, he had the propaganda against um, bail reform, and, you know, they gave out some literature, they had an article, and he kept saying, you know, they're using this poster boy. To, they're using this poster boy. And I knew who he was talking about. And when he finished, I stood up, I said, that poster boy has a name, it's Khalif Browder. And um, that bothered me, and, you know, it was a man of color, he's a black man, and, mm. um, you know, my council president's Caucasian, and, you know, she's for it. Um, and she was like, where do I go? Where do I testify? You know, but to know that so many black and brown people have been in the system and spent two, three years in regular lockup, not in that, and two or three years is literally like spending time, state time. But they're, you know, in the jails, 
because they can't afford to, you know, bail. Like, he couldn't, nobody could bail him out, you know. Um, so what is your stance on that? Because I get the, I hear the people outcry, you know, you know, oh, no, no, no. But it's not about just locking people up and not giving them their due process, you know. So that's a, that's very problematic for me. So what's your stance? Absolutely. On so so I have I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, my 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 grandfather was a NYPD officer on the east side, um, the two five. My two five, okay. uh, my uh, my uncle is a state trooper in Jersey. Um, I think traditional public safety resources are sometimes necessary, uh, and I think everyone deserves to feel safe, um, and not only feel safe but be safe. But because that's so important, we really need to focus on what works and what doesn't and have that lead the conversation. And bail reform has absorbed 99% of the oxygen on this issue when it's at the wildest estimates, looking at the data, 1% of the crime. And I, I wouldn't mm. even buy that 1%. Okay. But, um, you know, I'm saying that's what people who are saying, we need to roll back, we need to roll back. When they point to the data, they're saying it's this amount and they're claiming 1%. Mm. And I don't think it's taking up 1% of the conversation. And, right. and we need to be thinking much broader about that. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up Khalif Browder, and I'm glad you pointed out that he has a name. Mm -hmm. um, I used to work out at the 19th, too. So. Did you? Yeah, civilian, though. Yeah. So he, he um, you know, as, as you know, but, but for anyone listening, was uh, arrested for allegedly stealing a backpack, mm -hmm. ended up not even being prosecuted uh, uh, because they, the person recanted their story and I think left the city, actually, and wouldn't yeah. even testify. Um, but even if you assume that he had stolen the, back, uh, the backpack, by statute, he should not have been held pretrial more than six months. Mm. But he was in jail for three years, yeah. mm. 17 months of which were in solitary. Yeah. Insane. And the reason is because we only count time against that six-month clock that the prosecutor specifically asks for. So if you come to court and the prosecutor says, Judge, I need a week, and the judge says, well, the next court date is two months away, we only count a week against that six-month clock, and the defendant stays in jail for two I months. I did not know that. That's crazy. And so, you know, when I talk to people about public safety and I try to talk broadly about about the problems, and I talk about the risk coming in from guns, and I talk about the risk of subway cam not having working subway cameras, and I talk about all these other impacts. But I also say the bottleneck in public safety and criminal justice is the court system. Mm -hmm. It's these excessively long trials where we're not guaranteeing people their right to the speedy trial. Mm -hmm. And the way to do that is actually to expand the number of judges. Um, and that is something that's set by New York State. So I talk to people and say, you know, okay. you have people that are, regardless of what you roll back bail, et cetera, you're going to have some people that are remanded before trial. You're going to have some people that are staying in Rikers. They shouldn't be staying any more than is necessary if people are there before a trial, right? So if mm -hmm. you're coming at this from a place of, I want criminal justice reform, I want people not locked up, you should want quicker trials. If you're coming from the other side, if you're saying you're one of the people who are just like, all I care about is public safety, mm -hmm. when I talk to those, those residents, what they say is, you have all of these recidivists, you have all of these repeat yeah. offenders mm -hmm. being released. They're released awaiting trial. Exactly. So you, you actually want to get uh, a prosecution. What you need is a mm -hmm. trial. Mm -hmm. And so we're mm -hmm. all actually on the same team mm -hmm. of, 
it shouldn't, whether you're in jail or not, should not be decided by how much you have to pay or mm -hmm. what's done in the 24 hours after you're arrested. It should be through a trial. Right. And we've gotten so far away from actually focusing on how we can guarantee that right to a speedy trial, right. which will make us safer and guarantee rights. Right. That's the conversation we should be having. I got a question. You got one? I got a question yeah, for him. Yeah. Um, you know, with Khalif Brower, and I'm glad you brought up judges, because he came before DA, the, the district attorney in the Bronx. She was the judge then, Clark. Mm -hmm. She was a judge, and he came before her several times. Mm -hmm. And she didn't even release this guy. And to me, I'm just like, baffled that the Bronx actually elected this woman. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know it was something with the former one and you know there was little kooks going on but the whole thing is like what were people thinking because that alone she shouldn't have shouldn't have, she shouldn't have been a da right shouldn't have been a district attorney and, and my that's and, my point. and we're talking about one case right right this is we don't happening know how many. it's right. probably invasive all, right. all over yeah. all over and it's you know we can't yeah. We've taken for granted that trials should be right. beyond their statutory requirement, that right. it's not, you know, there's so many things outrageous about that case. And one of many is that he was in jail for three years right. when by statute it shouldn't have been any more than six months, right? He shouldn't have been at all. I, I, I want to make sure I say that. Right. But right. Uh, the fact that we have statutes but they're ignored right. um, hmm. or, you know, not, I, but we get around them because of these requirements. Right. We should actually be funding the system such that we can guarantee people that right to a speedy trial. Because also, I'm, I know you got to go. I know you got to go. I got a question for you. Because when we think about him committing suicide, mm -hmm. and I don't know his background, but being in the box, solitary confinement, for so long, months and, and years. And I, I know people that have said they've been in there for close to a year. These people from back in the days, like, just what it does to a person's mental health. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, and I know Corrections has the policy, CCC, uh, custody care control. They're three C's they go by. You're not putting somebody in a box for that long, you know. So it, it, it's bigger than it's, it has something to do with Clark and every judge he went before, you know, his attorney, you know, and then just being housed and how he was treated you know, with the correction officers and stuff like that. Like, there has to be some protections. You know, I know the Bureau of Prisons, they do and they know about things, but that's more of the upstate, you know, when you're doing st uh, state time. They're really on top of stuff, to my knowledge, because I've spoken to people. But, you know, who's helping the people that's in regular lockup? You know, like, who's advocating for them besides their family? Because if you don't hear from your loved one, yeah. you know, and they're in a box and maybe they might bring them out for a call, or I, I don't know how that works. Right. But, and, Who's monitoring and, and here's someone who, you know, all evidence points to being innocent. Right. Exactly. Right. And this is when people, you talk about Rikers, everyone there is a human being. Mm -hmm. But in particular, it's people awaiting trial, which means some decent percentage of those are innocent. Yeah. And so we as a society need to have Rikers be a place or wherever people are housed be a place that we're comfortable with innocent people right. being. And that sometimes shifts mentality. It shouldn't. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's a human being. But, but. I try to get people to see, you know, uh, you themselves in, in, in who's held there. I'm glad you knew about him, though. Thank you for that. At least you, you're up on it. You, you're good, 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 good. Now, I got a question now. So what can be done on a legislative level? Because I know a lot of NYCHA residents have repair issues, and then there's HPD. So HPD, if you're a private individual, will go in and find you and do liens and do all the rest of that. 
But when it's public housing, they don't do that. And so what can be done? Because obviously, yes, we need funding for NYCHA. We want that. But if HPD did its job, you know, which is to protect residents of the city of New York, which in my mind should be if you live in public housing or not, what can be done to make them do their job? Because there's this covenant between HPD and NYCHA that I think is illegal. It shouldn't, shouldn't exist. Uh, I would love to talk more about it. I, I, um, I tend to, to not want to speak out of turn and to focus on the things that, that I really know and can change. I, I like to be data-driven on this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I would love to talk more about... Yeah, I'm going to uh, send you some stuff. Please, please. please. This is good. Stuff, this is the yeah, start yeah, of a yeah, conversation. Yeah, 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 you know, that's, yeah. yeah so I, I'd love to learn more. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So we didn't hit our hour mark a little over, but that's okay. Um, is there anything you want to share with us before we wind down? Um, what's on the horizon? How is campaigning? Like, talk to us. And, and, and with, the, with these lines being drawn, you know, um, has your council member did that change, or you still have your same city council? I think I, I'm gonna in the end still have uh, Julie Menon as my city council member, and but also my lines are being redrawn again. So mm. so so who knows after that? Um, no, I, I think um, uh, I appreciate everyone. You know, campaigning. You have so many people come out and volunteer. Right. And, you know, advocate, whether it was for me or one of my opponents, right, be engaged in the civic process. And we don't do a good enough job of plugging those people in after the campaign. Uh, And so I try to say, hey, you know, stay involved, whether that's community board, right, or whether that's joining a local political club or whether that's getting involved in your building. Uh, But the other thing I'd say is that, you know, you talked about we're going to work on some legislation together legislators want those ideas you know the the big issues we're asked about all the time but sometimes it's a small not in the number of people it affects but small in that it's like a minor change Mm -hmm. but could impact millions of people or um that just doesn't rise up to what's reading in the news like individual citizens coming together with those ideas is so powerful so yeah i'll give an example um and this is not a big bill. This is the opposite. This is a spectrum that's incredibly small, but probably one of the first I'm going to introduce is uh, if you are a optometry student and you study outside of New York State, doctor of optometry, you're not allowed to apprentice in New York State. Say that again? So you're an optometry student Mm -hmm. of any school that's not in New York State. You can't come apprentice in New York State, mm. which means you can't then start your career in New York State, which mm-hmm. means you probably settle outside of it. Right. And so we have New Yorkers that we basically don't allow back or others that want to come serve in New York. Uh, that's silly. That's and, the law that's on the books now? Yes. Wow. Yes. And it's, it's protectionism for New York schools, but even the optometry schools have come over and been like, hey, we need to overturn this. This is silly. Yeah. Okay. Right? And so, so I love finding small things like that that aren't going to have a lot of opposition but it's just something that isn't working right in government that can be improved um it doesn't need to be just the big issues right let's 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 work on those and you know sadly those can take years but let's keep fighting we need to right talking about expanding number of judges is something that'll take three four years minimum but if there's a small fix whether it's what hpd is overseeing whether it's something else that you're noticing in your day-to-day life and you're like government could be better or the things that normally make you say, oh, government never works. Here's Exhibit A. Send us Exhibit A. We want to fix that. Um, so websites, alexboris.nyc. 
Uh, if you email info at alexboris.nyc, that goes directly to me and my campaign manager. Okay. Send us those ideas. Um, we, we would love to just make it a little bit better every day. Awesome. Give me some. Give me some. Stand All right. Well, um, it's been a good conversation. Um, I definitely would say we all have in this preservation trust issue, so we can't do anything about it. But hopefully we can make this a level playing field so the NYCHA residents can be informed before they make this vote that's going to impact public housing in New York indefinitely. So that would be great. Um, secondly, I definitely want to follow up on this whole HPD thing. I think if they stepped in and did their job, you know, then there'd be some relief that NYCHA residents can get now. Uh, third, I guess the, over, the oversight of RAD has been terrible. So I guess if you get in there, we can do something better to keep an eye on what's happening now. So I know there's buildings that have been converted, and it's like they're in the dark, you know, in terms of what's really going on. And we get the calls from those residents, and they're still not getting repairs done. And Knights is saying, well, it's these guys now. And they're saying, no, it's Knights. It's this, this back and forth nonsense. But end of the day, that resident doesn't get the work done. So hopefully we can work on those things and, and be proactive and, and be a bonus to our community. All right. Money, money. Well, well <laughs> smooth, Mike. You say, no. Can I say one more thing? Sure. Yes, you can. Remember to vote on November. Right, right. Uh, Please do. Uh, yes, we, yes, we all yes. assume uh, Democrats are safe, yeah. but this year in right. particular, statewide, you don't know. Uh, and turnout was so low over the summer because yeah. we had those two primaries. Uh, Please, please, please. Early voting starts the weekend before. Right. Okay. Uh, so you can vote the end of October and uh, election day is on November 8th. So please okay. show up. Right. Your voice is heard at the ballot box. Money, Mike, money, Mike. Anything? Well, like I say every, every time, make sure you please like and subscribe to our page, One Night Your TV, on YouTube, please. And if you want to email, you can email us at one night your TV at gmail.com. And please don't hesitate. If you got repair issues, email us too. We'll help you with those repairs. Yeah, yeah. And if you're interested in coming on the show, reach out to us. We'll see what's what and if we can bring you on. We still have to, you know, we have to vet who we bring it on. So we can't bring on anybody on the show. So mm -hmm. got to be careful. Um, thank you, Emily Johnson. She's been in the chat quite a bit, uh, made a few comments. So thank you for participating. Sorry we didn't... Um, Shout you out and thank you for all the viewers that are watching that that are silent. So, um, so um, yeah. So, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Uh, look forward to continuing working. Don't be a stranger, and I, I won't be a stranger, and you don't be a stranger. Um, but yeah, we look forward to working with you and uh, consider yourself a friend to the to the show, and um, hopefully a, a ally. You know, someone that can be there for NYCHA residents and just you know. Just social justice, period. You know, so much environmental justice. You know, everything falls under social justice, you know, mm -hmm. from criminal to, you know, or Absolutely. just everything, you know. Social justice is the umbrella. Everything's under there. And, you know, I know you're going to help create change. And, um, you know, like, every, like he said, um, Alex said, get out and vote, right? Don't take nothing for granted, you know, because we can get somebody to squeak in, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know. Um, vote, get registered to vote. If you're not registered to vote, it's still time, right? Is it still time for? I think the registration deadline is two days ago. Two days but ago. but okay, but if you're same. changing address, you know, others that you, you have time to do that. Okay. But, yeah. but still, if you ain't registered, get registered. Registered now, now for the next one. Yeah, yeah. don't wait. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, elections are every year, so people. I do got a question on that. Just how many people do vote, so people can know how important 
It is. How many people voted? Uh, in, in my district, we had 23% of eligible people turn out, um, which was high. Citywide, it was 13%. Uh, um, and so, so here's here's the craziness, and it, you know, it's it's a thing that keeps me humble too. I got elected to represent 140,000 people. Mm. Three thousand voted for me. Wow! So you have a huge impact. Turnout, vote. Wow. It is so few people that are coming wow. out there. It also shows that in that process right there, it was up for anybody. Anybody yeah. that got it. Yeah. That's that's wow. Right, yeah. That's, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Um, all right, y'all heard it. We learned. All right, one night to one people. We one about night to lift off. One night to one, one, one people. Night to one people.